How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best, the best analysis, the best interviews, the best coverage, and no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle. Welcome to Bill Michaels Tunnel. We are on the air. Special time tonight, 7 to 9 of this evening Central Time. The Green Bay Packers enter week three on a seven-game regular season win streak. The longest current streak in the NFC and Green Bay's longest winning streak since 2016 through 2017 in that particular season. Welcome to the program. Today it is Reunion Day. It's a much-anticipated Reunion Day. We found out we were going to get these guys together. It's been kind of a week of, uh, of giddiness. I had to take a week off just to go get myself together. I was so anticipating this evening. We are brought to you by Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network, also by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Go to BudLight.com. Go back to the days of 12.50 a.m. from 105.7 FM, the fan, our flagship station in Milwaukee. They didn't even have an FM at that point in time, and these guys were together. We'll introduce Mike Wicket. Mike, how you doing? There we go. I had to turn my microphone on. I'm well, Bill, and I know that <laughs> Bud Light uh, Seltzer is our, is our sponsor right now, so I figure I might as well just do this. I might as well crack one open there for you, you Bill. As, uh, you know, I, you I always go. love supporting the sponsor, and I always like drinking. There you go. Yes, you are a pro at both. Thank you very much. And then uh, the counterpart this evening, the other gentleman coming up to the panel, our good friend Doug Russell. Doug, how you been, pal? I'm great, Bill. Uh, this is this is a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me and and having me and Mike uh, on at the same time. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I need the the Bud Light Seltzer uh, in front of me. Mike uh, is so good with the sponsors, so I've got to get off the Schneid and, uh, and and figure that out for myself. If, but if, it's great uh, to hey, be with Doug, you, Doug. If we would have said. Back in 2010, when you and I split up, when you were asked to, to leave, uh, if you would have said, hey, guess what? Coming up in about 10 years from now, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be reuniting on the Bill Michaels huddle on the fan. But first, you're going to go to Texas. Sure. And then, <laughs> and then you're going to yep. go to the flagship in Wisconsin. Yep. You're going to bounce on the third sports talk station. And Wicket, you're going to go to Kansas City for a while, quit radio, have three babies, and then join back up with Doug Like. 
No one would have thought we were had this was possible. You would have said you guys are drinking too many Bud Lights. The, the one thing, yes. though, more than anything else, and I'm sorry to take over your show, Bill, but the no, one thing okay. more than it. anything else is you having three kids, you getting married <laughs> and having three kids. I might have figured that you might have three kids at some point floating out there somewhere, but married, stay-at-home dad, three yeah. kids never in a million years so that's the shocker me going to texas forget that that's that's nothing compared to the journey you've had my friend bill your Mike, thoughts I, I i have traveled with you in an rv yeah there's yeah. no way that i've ever thought you would be a parent and all i gotta do <laughs> is show the video <laughs> and just point to your kids and say look kids i don't care what age you are don't do this and that's it yeah. and that's parenting is done then pop open more and you're good to go Guys, uh, the Green Bay Packers sitting at 2-0, and getting ready to head down to New Orleans. And, and let me start with you, Doug. What has impressed you about the Green Bay Packers so far? You have to point to the offense first and foremost, right? Because in game one, it was the Devontae Adams show. In game two, it was the Aaron Jones show. So in game two... Uh, the, the Packers were able to, you know, Devontae was a non-factor. He wound up getting hurt in that game as well uh, with a hamstring injury. He did return to practice. But in that game against Detroit, what Matt Patricia was able to do with Adams is really take him out of the game because his two cornerbacks were injured, so they doubled up on Devontae. That opened it up for Aaron Jones, and he had a career game. So if, you know, we've talked about, for, it seems like for generations, the run sets up the pass or the pass sets up the run. What the Packers finally have right now is a legitimate you know, you've got a Hall of Fame quarterback playing, uh, I, I would say, inspired football, maybe um, aggressive football, uh, li like he always has, but maybe more motivated football after Jordan Love got drafted. And when he's playing at his best and Aaron Jones is playing at his best and the offensive line, which has been marvelous through it's early, it's two games. Um you look at the job that Elton Jenkins has done. He's been amazing and somebody that nobody talks about. You're not supposed to talk about the offensive line. But the balance that I've seen on offense through the first two weeks has been just sublime. Uh, Mike? I think everything Doug said I would agree with, but I think what's most impressive to me is, and, and this is the mind of a fan, when you bring in a new head coach who's going to completely change the system, as Matt LaFleur did from Mike McCarthy, you want, as a fan – for the team not to skip a beat. You want the team to just come in and keep churning out points the way they always have and for Aaron to have the success. But what we're seeing now in year two and as funky as the offseason was this year, at least it's a second offseason, a second summer for Aaron and Matt LaFleur to get on the same page. Not that they were not friends like the media was drumming up last year, but what's impressed me the most is how in sync, I know it's the Lions and the Vikings, and I know people are going to say that this isn't the Niners, that they're not facing Bosa's like they did in San Diego or L.A. last year, excuse me, but it's the second year, and you see things really are fluid. And like, for example, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, his seat was real warm last year going into year three. Things worked out because they figured out the offense. They got a quarterback who could run it. With LaFleur's offense, it took a year, and I think you're looking at Aaron Rodgers. He's 10 times the quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo is, and that's why things have clicked already in year number two. So what's impressed me the most, Bill, is that, is that it took a year, and now we're starting to see this pay off. How impressed – let me go back to you, Mike. How impressed with you or have you been – 
with because you'd said something that caught my ear with what we had tried to drum up regarding the relationship between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. And I think that we don't know, other than what's been publicly said between the two, whether it's great, whether it's good, whether it's just average, whether it's poor. I mean, we, we, we really don't know. The only thing we've seen is competitiveness on the field, and Matt LaFleur at times really – unlike Mike McCarthy, really kind of has gotten into Aaron Rodgers a couple of times, and and then you see the frustration, and Aaron goes back out and executes. And I, I give Matt LaFleur all the credit in the world for doing so, but tell me your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and the acceptance from, one, the, the firing of Mike McCarthy to where we stand today and listening to him speak as a quarterback, as a person, as a guy that now says he's got love in his heart and he's cleaned out his soul. Well, that means he broke up with Danica Patrick. That's what that means. I mean, that that's that's the number one thing. That's why Aaron's playing better. He doesn't have Danica, who, you know, a Bears fan who's never won anything. That's She's not in his life anymore. Um, I, I think the relationship with McCarthy got so stale that it didn't matter. They couldn't like, you know, how sometimes if you're you, you butt heads with a partner of yours or a coworker, you sit down, you have a beer, you hash it out. You're cool. I think they had butted heads so much. They'd worked together so much and nothing was changing that that relationship just was never going to be good again. Not that he and Mike McCarthy hate each other, but what I like about LaFleur is he seemed to come in and say, look, that didn't work. We're going to do this. I want you. You want me. We want to win. And, you know, you look at all these quarterbacks that have run this kind of a system. No one's ever been nearly as talented as Aaron Rodgers running this system, whether it's Garoppolo or Ryan Tannehill. But, Doug, finally, and Jim Ozarski put this out in the, the Journal Sentinel, Finally, you have this crazy system that is innovative, that is different, that utilizes speed, which the Packers have never been able to do under Mike McCarthy. And now, Doug, you you meld that with a great quarterback, a guy who can see the matrix in Aaron Rodgers. I think every relationship comes to an end, right? Yours and mine on the air did, you know, so many years ago. Theirs lasted 13 years, though. And I've always said that the best relationships, the most successful relationships in the world, end up with somebody in a pine box because <laughs> somebody dies and every relationship comes to an end. So Drink. with McCarthy and Rodgers... <laughs> Something was going to end, and I didn't know if McCarthy was going to kill Rodgers or Rodgers was going to kill McCarthy, but thankfully Mark Murphy stepped in and recognized that this was a relationship after 13 years, almost 13 years, that had just run its course, and they won a Super Bowl. They won a lot of football games. They won a lot of division championships. They got to a lot of NFC championship games. They only won one of them, but together they got to four of them, and I can't say anything bad about Mike McCarthy and, and even his relationship with Aaron Rodgers. It had just run its course and Rodgers needed to hear a fresh voice at the front of the room, somebody that he respected. And I think that that took a little while as you know, relationships like that happen, because look, Aaron Rodgers had won two MVPs when Matt LaFleur walked in the door, right? Uh, Aaron Rodgers had won a Super Bowl when Matt LaFleur had walked in the door. Matt LaFleur hadn't won anything yet. He had been to a Super Bowl with Atlanta, and that was part of that 28-3 to debacle against uh, New England um, a few years ago. But he hadn't won anything. So I think that once the trust was starting to build between the two, that's where you saw that relationship really start to flourish. Don't forget a year ago, they came within a game of the Super Bowl. So it's not like year one was any kind of disaster or anything, but – as I'm going to use a Mike McCarthyism, once you start stacking success, that's when you really can build something. And that's what I think we're starting to see here in the early portion of the 2020 season. And he got rid of Danica Patrick. Like, Bill, that's the key <laughs> to all of this. 
<laughs> on that note, what we will do right. is take the opposite side and we will. The Bud Light at... seltzer's flowing, Bill. <laughs> we will look at the concerns when we come back. Hang in there. We are brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Go to BudLight.com. We'll be back. Mike Wickett, Doug Russell. I'm Bill Michaels. We'll be back after this. 16 stations strong. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Anytime you're going against a back like Elvin Kamara, it's always a difficult task to take upon yourself. And our guys are going to have to be flying to the football. They're going to have to gang tackle this guy because he is going to make people miss. There's no doubt about it. Those are the words of Matt LaFleur talking about Alvin Kamara, a beast of a running back. Watching him on Monday Night Football made me uh, made me swallow hard a little bit because it was like, how are they going to stop this guy? Green Bay, by the way, 3-1 and one on the road in primetime games last season. And Aaron Rodgers threw for an average of 255 yards per game, which was number four in the league with nine touchdowns and uh, only three interceptions. So primetime games have been favorable to the Green Bay Packers. Joining me tonight on the huddle, brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. Uh, from the old 1250 AM, our flagship station out of Milwaukee and 105.7 FM, Mike Wickett and Doug Russell. Guys, we dealt with the things in the first segment other than uh, the fact that we're uh, imbibing already with Bud Light seltzers. But uh, we dealt with what impresses you about this Green Bay Packers team thus far. What concerns you? Doug, I'll start with you. What concerns you about this Green Bay Packers team thus far out of the shoot? Health at nose tackle right now. I mean, Kenny Clark out in the first week, and then Tyler Lancaster uh, was uh, lost uh, early in the game last week as well. So if Clark can come back, obviously that solidifies a lot of things. You, you look at the depth on the offensive line. I think the offensive line so far, the, the, the front five, they played unbelievably so far, but they've also had some injuries as well. Lane Taylor out for the season. So when that depth erodes a little bit, that becomes concerning, especially this early in the season. Um, I think Jair Alexander is playing really, really well in the defensive secondary, but um, you know, they, they still do at times look very easy to score on, especially early in games in both of their first two contests. And then, you know, what happened in the fourth quarter against the Vikings in week one was really concerning as well. So at times they've got these defensive lapses that once the schedule gets harder and it gets harder on Sunday night against the Saints, uh, that's when you could see the Packers really with their hands full. And I I think this is going to be a difficult game for them on Sunday night. Mike, what uh, concerns you thus far about this Green Bay Packers team? Well, Bill, it means you haven't been listening to my podcast, Wicked on Wisconsin. So, uh, actually, for those that haven't listened, good grief, man. I mean, you've both been a guest on my podcast, Wicked on Wisconsin. But, Bill, I'll give you, I'll cut you some slack. You're on the air the same time I'm recording mine right after game. So, you, that's okay. You can go back and listen. But this is the one thing that really concerns me defensively. Like the offense, I don't worry about. The Doug's right. The offensive line's been great. You know, MVS has had his ups and downs. That's what we expected out of him. Um, Losing to Guard injury the second game of the year kind of concerned me a little bit, but he'll be fine. I I think Tanyan is the answer. I think Sternberger is playing his way off this team. But what really concerns me is the start to games. I mean, both games, if I mean, you guys are on Twitter. I see you on game day. I'm on Twitter as well. Everybody has the same feeling. Minnesota marched down the field week one. Uh, last week it was the Lions and Stafford and company march down the field. My question is, and I don't know the answer, but what is Mike Pettin scheming for or not scheming for uh, in these opening drives? Because, yeah, it's the Lions and it's the Vikings. You can score on those teams at will. But if you let 
you know, New Orleans jump out and, and, and Breeze and company. I know we're going to get to Breeze arm. I'm sure it's not what it used to be, but with Kamara and all the weapons they have, it, they can actually play defense as well. They didn't play a lot of it on Monday night against the Raiders, but they can actually play defense as well. So they can get stops. And if you can't stop that team early, you could blink and be down 21, nothing. So the biggest concern I have with the Packers is the opening drives. The first two games against inferior teams, inferior opponents have turned into touchdowns for the opposition. You brought up uh, Drew Brees. Let's go in that direction. I was looking at Pro Football Focus and the premium stats, basically passing the number one passer rated right now in the league, not via the QBR, but actually graded out by Pro Football Focus, is Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, a close second. Meanwhile, you start to search for Drew Brees, 32nd in the National Football League into into the mediocre category. Uh, not only for the past, but running the overall offense. Uh, I'll go back to you, Mike. Uh, do you believe that Father Time has both hands on the ankles of Drew Brees and is about to tackle him? You know, everybody was talking about, does Tom Brady have anything left in the tank? I'm, I, I don't really have an opinion on Brady. I haven't watched a lot of him play a little bit here and there. But, you know, just these first two games, you get to watch Drew Brees. And, yeah, I mean, Drew's old by NFL standards. I mean, he's he just is. And you're not seeing the zip on the ball from Drew in these first two games that we're used to seeing. And, and I don't know if he's going to find it again. I don't know if there is something in the shoulder. I don't know if there's something in his body that hurts. Losing Michael Thomas obviously you know, takes away from his ability to, to rack up yards and, and whatnot. But, Doug, I firmly believe that Drew Brees is not just on the backside. I don't think he's last year of Favre's career, but I think he's starting to trend that way. Yeah, I mean, he's teeing off on 18, He's but yeah. again, Father Time catches up with everyone. Father Time is undefeated, as they say, but I think you pointed out, the, to me, the biggest thing for Breeze, along with age, but he's missing the best wide receiver, arguably, the best wide receiver in the NFL and Michael Thomas. When you take away, I mean, we saw what happened to Aaron Rodgers the first year that Jordy Nelson wasn't available to him. He he suffered. Um so when you've got and now maybe, you know, Emmanuel Sanders doesn't look like he might play on Sunday night either. So you take away the top two wide receivers for a quarterback who I still think is good. Um, th- is this his last season? Maybe uh, there was a thought that Tom Brady was flirting with going to New Orleans uh, if uh Drew Brees was going to retire, and and that's one of the reasons that this kind of played out as long as it did for Brady in the offseason because he wanted to play with Michael Thomas uh, in New Orleans and that offense with the Saints. Instead, Brees comes back. Maybe this is his last season or not, but when again, when you're missing your weapons, you're not going to be that good. You're not going to put up the same numbers. Is the zip on the ball, is that something that's real? Yeah, of course it is. It's also real with Tom Brady uh, in, in New Orleans as well. It's going to be something that Packers fans are going to have to steal themselves for in the next couple of years with Aaron Rodgers. It's a miracle that some of these guys are playing into their 40s. They're Hall of Famers, but you know, guys don't play quarterback deep into their 40s very often. That, that's why they're the elite of the elite. So are, are we seeing the end of the Drew Brees era in the NFL? Yeah, probably, but I don't think he's got anything to apologize for, except for the fact that you know he, he's missing the, you know, maybe the best wide receiving tandem in all of football, yeah, that's that's going to take a toll on this guy. That's the better, the better asset when it comes to the backs, Alvin Kamara or Aaron Jones, for what it is now they're being utilized for both in the pass game, the run game, and the blocking game. The blitz that Aaron Jones picked up 
on Sunday uh, against the Detroit Lions, Aaron Rodgers would have probably still been picking teeth up off of the uh, off of the turf had Aaron Jones not went helmet to helmet and uh, and picked up the blitz. So, Doug, I'll ask you. I know we're watching him emerge, but now he's getting his opportunity and showing his wares in the Matt Lafleur offense. Who would you take? Would you take Alvin Kamara? Or would you take Aaron Jones? Hoy. That's a great question, honestly, because I'm I love, so glad he went to you first. I know. I, lo- <laughs> I, I love both of those guys. It's true because I guess I would, I guess I'd say Kamara. I just think he's a little bit better of a running back. Although Aaron Jones is, I think a better receiver and is maybe a better blocker as well. But I mean, look, there's a reason that the Packers drafted AJ Dillon in the second round. And I think it goes maybe a little bit beyond just, they know that they're going to have to pay David Bakhtiari at the end of the season. They had just paid Kenny Clark, and maybe it goes a little bit deeper than uh, just financial issues that the Packers uh, are, are trying to consider who their feature back is going to be in the years to come. I love Aaron Jones. I think he's great, but Alvin Kamara, to me, I, I just think he's got that that special X factor. Not that Aaron Jones doesn't have it or can't get it, but I think Alvin Kamara is just in a, an elite running back right now in the NFL. They're both about the same age. I think this is Kamara's, what, fourth year and and same for, for Aaron Jones. So it, it, it's a horse apiece, but I would say Kamara probably has maybe just, just a little bit of an edge. I, w- I would agree with Doug. I, I, would, I would say Kamara is just a tick ahead of Aaron Jones, and that's not a knock on Aaron Jones. I think the pass-catching ability is what separates the two. I think they're both blazers. I think Aaron Jones might have a little more top-end speed than Kamara, but Kamara in today's NFL, especially in that system, I think in today's NFL, the, the the elite running backs are the ones that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Christian McCaffrey is fantastic. Uh, you, we talk about Kamara, the guys that can you know rack up 60, 70, 80 catches in a season. I don't think Aaron Jones is that guy. So I, Bill, I would agree with Doug. I, I would take Kamara just a, a tick over Aaron Jones. But give me Aaron Jones because if that guy gets 22 touches, the Packers are like 11 and 1 in their last 12. The uh, the funny thing is is that the grades are very very different for both of those running backs when you look at the overall grades um, for for the running back both catching and receiving or uh, receiving and running the football the area where Aaron Jones gets nicked is the turnover he's more prone to turnovers than Alvin Kamara if he cures the turnovers that he has had in the past he then if you take that out of the equation he then is only 0.5 grading points behind Alvin Kamara that's how good his running game and and passing game has been and blitz pickup when you talk about it in general um and that's a look, huge I, and that's a huge part of the game too i mean that's what i think is going to ding Jonathan Taylor maybe down the road in Indianapolis as well when he had right. the, the fumble problems in, in Madison Boy, it's good to see him get off to a fast start down there as well. Yep. He ended up with a yep. touchdown not last a, week Not also. if you owe Naeem Hines in fantasy football, it's not. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's do this. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, he said something incredibly <laughs> intriguing regarding money, and it does revolve around Aaron Jones as well. Doug Russell alongside Mike Wicked is here. The uh, duo is back from the old 1250 AM, our flagship station out of Milwaukee. I'm Bill Michaels. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle brought to you by our friends at Bud Light and Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Go to BudLight.com. More of the Bill Michaels Show and the Bill Michaels Huddle right after this. Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. It won't be the same atmosphere that we played there over the years. I mean, I think we played there in 2008, 14. 
you know, it's a tough environment to play in. You know, New Orleans, uh, Atlanta, Minnesota for so many years. There's, there's some domes that are just a little bit different. You know, I think the biggest thing is going to be the energy. Obviously, they had a long trip out to Vegas, um, you know, playing uh, Monday night football, short week. There's a lot of pride in their locker room, uh, a lot of veterans, a lot of guys over 30. You know, they're a really talented team, and, uh, and so are we. There you go. That is Aaron Rodgers talking about heading down to the Dome. Going to be weird. You're not going to have Houdat Nation going bananas down there and raising the decibel level. And he's right about the energy. They played Monday night. They had to travel from Vegas back home, get settled back in, uh, begin to rehab, practice. Uh, teams on Monday night do struggle on Sundays. That's historically a fact. The Green Bay Packers heading down to New Orleans to take on the Saints. That is Sunday night football. And uh, really looking forward to it. Don't forget, immediately following the game on many of these same stations. Gary Ellerson, the former Packer and Badger running back, yours truly. We're going to be breaking it all down, the Green and Gold postgame show. We always welcome your input, your thoughts, your reaction to what you saw, the same as uh, same as us, and we'll give you our opinion on it. Matt LaFleur, the first head coach in fa- franchise history to win seven of his first eight NFL games and the first to win his first three road NFL contests. He is the 19th NFL coach and the first since Jim Harbaugh who did it in 2011, by the way, to win at least seven of his first eight games. That's according to the Elias Sports Bureau. He has yet to lose in the division, and the Packers again start out 2-0, and and he's the first Packers head coach to start both of his first two seasons, 2-0. and So Mike McCarthy came in and broke a few records and, and uh, beat Lombardi for some wins, and Matt LaFleur already off to a very fast start. So, look, uh, a lot of things coming up roses when it comes to the head coach and the records thus far. You just need to kind of keep it going, and the Packers trying to get themselves uh, more offensive outbursts, may, you know, be as as may. Uh, Green Bay joined the Buffalo Bills, 87 points and 1,119 yards as the only team in NFL history to register 85-plus points and 1,000-plus yards in the first two games of the season. How about that? That's a that's a that's a rather daunting statistic. So hopefully uh, the the Packers can continue to capitalize on what they've been able to do offensively, shore up the def- defense, and continue to get uh, some turnovers. Not turn the ball over and get the turnovers because the turnovers have been key. You look at Jair Alexander, who gets the pick off of Kirk Cousins just before half and in, in the opener, and then Shannon Sullivan, he ends up getting the pick six, and it really kind of turned the tide in the game against Detroit. Uh, we got our guys with us, Mike Wickett uh, and also Doug Russell, back together again. Uh, they worked together in the old 12.50 a.m. days out of Milwaukee. Now it's 12.50 a.m., 105.7 FM, our flagship station. You can listen to them there, also on the Radio.com app as well. And thanks to many of you listening for the program or to the program all over the country. Um, guys, uh, David Bakhtiari said something intriguing this week, basically in a Cliff Notes version said, look, if you want to pay us, you'll pay us, or pay him. Uh, You can figure it out. So the question then becomes, do you pay both he and Aaron Jones? Don't forget you got Kevin King coming up after next year. you got Corey Lindsley coming up as well in a year in which the salary cap most likely is going to go down, and Aaron Rodgers' number is going to be astronomical. So do you figure out a way to keep both David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones around, or do you just keep one, and if so, who? Doug, I will throw it into your court first. Well, I, like I said in the last segment, Bill, I think that they drafted A.J. Dillon for a reason. And I, I would love to just sit here and say, yeah, of course they can figure it out because David Bakhtiari is a player. 
And of course, he's going to say that. Of course, they can figure it out. I, I've studied these salary cap situation. That's not the way that the NFL really works because you still have to pay all 53 guys on the roster and you've got to fit it into, you know, underneath a certain amount of dollars. So you've got the quarterback taking the lion's share of that, as is the case with most, most teams with elite quarterbacks. Um, but the, the way that the NFL is set up is that you can't keep everybody and you have to make difficult decisions. Brian Bulaga, a difficult decision uh, for the Packers to have to let go. And and we've seen this time and time again over the years as well. I mean, there's still laundry list of players that the Packers would have loved to have kept. I, I think that unfortunately the number for Aaron Jones and he's going to get paid. I just don't think it's going to be in Green Bay. Somebody's going to pay Aaron Jones. I don't think that it's going to be something that when the Packers sit down and really start to make those difficult decisions, what's more valuable to them, a running back, running backs have very short NFL careers, as we all know, or a left tackle who's been an all pro caliber guy who's protecting your franchise quarterbacks blind side and still at the top of his game. If you're going to pick one or the other, it's got to be Bakhtiari. And I don't think they're going to be able to keep both. So I say that Aaron Jones is probably going to be let go at the end of the year. How Mike? in the world is David Bakhtiari only 28 years old? I feel like he's been with the Packers since yeah. like Favre's third season. Um, right. And, and see, it's a gamble to me because I almost want to be the contrarian and say you don't pay either one. And I know that's going to be blasphemy because of what Doug just said. But at some point, a 28-year-old left tackle who has played at a very high level I mean, after the first month of last year, Bakhtiari was maybe the best left tackle in football. He was garbage the first month, but since that first month, he's been very, very good. If you pay him an astronomical amount of money and he falls off like a lot of left tackles do, and then all of a sudden now you're paying $21 million or $16 million or whatever you're paying for a guard, you're not getting your money's worth. So at what point do you just say, David, thank you. You're going to go up in that Packer Hall of Fame. We're going to, you know, you're you're going to have your big retirement ceremony, but he's going to go the way of Brian Bulaga. Or can you get a three-year deal out of him where it's front-loaded and you can cut him at at the very end because he's, I mean, what's this, this eighth year, seventh, eighth year? It feels like for for a lot more, but, but Doug, how many more years do you expect to get this kind of play out of David Bakhtiari? I say at least three, but you're going to also pay him for past performance in the next contract as well. You know that as well as anybody that, you know, that's just the way that professional sports works. But if you have the, the kind of performer that Bakhtiari has been over the last four seasons, specifically when he's been an all pro type of player, when you've got potentially a quarterback change coming in the next couple of years, you want that stability. You have to have that stability at the second most, in my opinion, the second most important position on the offense. Uh, It's quarterback, it's left tackle, and then you can, you know, uh, kind of figure it out from there and, and everybody's got their own different criteria. But I think left tackle is so critical that if you have a great one, you keep him and if you have to keep him maybe a year longer than what his optimal uh, playing prime is, you take that risk. But you can't get rid of him too early. I just I, I think that's I think that's ludicrous. I, I don't mind if you can get rid of him. Um, not that I don't like David. It's just I look if if that's what you're going to do, that's what you're going to do. The question is, who do you have that can play that position as well as he is? And we all know that's you know that's the blind side of the quarterback. That's the guy that. You know, when Aaron Rodgers feels pressure, he knows he's got about six to seven seconds. And Aaron Rodgers even has trusted him so much to the point where Aaron Rodgers will roll in that direction, knowing that David Bakhtiari will not let his man go to then take down Aaron Rodgers. That's how good he's been. So, uh, you know, if you've got somebody else, that's great. 
And I know there's been some talk because Elkton Jenkins has been so versatile and just been a mauler, but I don't know if you can just flip him from left guard to right tackle and back over to left tackle and just say, okay, Elkton, you're going to be the guy. I don't know if he's ready for that. So if you don't have somebody and you haven't drafted anybody, and God knows trying to draft a left tackle has been an absolute freaking nightmare for the Green Bay Packers, I don't think you just let him walk. You know what I mean? But then again, he is going to make a boat boatload of money when he's on the open market. I think he gets a hometown discount with the Packers. I think somebody else will throw him a ton of money. You know, I, I think Brian Bulaga got you know terribly overpaid with the Chargers. But hey, three years, thirty million bucks, and most of it guaranteed. Like that's a good deal for Brian Bulaga. He would have been dumb not to take that, as opposed to three years and eighteen million with you know Green Bay. I think if somebody wants to throw a crazy amount of money at David Bakhtiari, he's definitely got to take it. I believe if if the Packers don't try to keep him, at least for two more years, Aaron will be more mad about that than when they drafted Jordan Love. I think he'll be more because that's the guy (laughs) that has been keeping him upright for years to both of your points. So I think if you, I mean, honestly, if if he's 31 and still on the Packers, I'll be very surprised. If if David Bakhtiari is here for three more seasons and then some, I'll be very surprised because I think he turns 29 later this month. He turns 29 on September 30th. So, I mean, how, how much longer can you get all pro? Are you going to have an all pro left tackle? Are you going to pay him at all pro, you know, dollar amount? So going back to the original question, contrarian, Bakhtiari, short term, but I wouldn't be terribly upset if they didn't pay either one. But look, I mean, if you're if, if he's going to be here in three years, you're going to wind up having to pay him because he's not going to take lesser to stay in Green Bay. I don't think he's going to give Bay, the Packers yeah. a hometown discount at all. I this is his this is his contract. This is this last bigger contract for him. So this is where not only are you set up for life, but your children's children and your generations are set up for life and, and to me that's this is that big contract for David Butcher. And and really this is a big one for Aaron Jones too, because we know the shelf life of a running back is usually on average about three Do years in the not National Football League. Hey Aaron Jones big money. Do not give him the Kamara contract. Do not give him the Dalvin Cook contract. You don't pay running backs in the National Football League. Who are I agree big... with you. What would you pay him? What would you three pay him? Three years. 22 million 20 I, I go low I lowball him I'm sorry Zeke is never going to win a championship Kamara is not going to win a championship you know Christian McCaffrey's not going to win a championship Todd Gurley got paid got hurt he's a shell of himself these mega contracts for for running backs they turn out to be garbage because in today's NFL it's not what it was when we were growing up where running backs ruled the roost they do in fantasy football but we can kick you to the curb the next week or the next month or whatever if you sign Aaron if they sign Aaron Jones to a big money deal they're going to regret it I agree with that. Uh, let's do this we'll step away we'll take a quick break we'll come back we'll wrap up this hour get into the next hour start to take a look around the rest of the NFL we got Mike Wicked Doug Russell alongside I'm Bill Michaels this is the Bill Michaels huddle brought to you by our friends at Bud Light and Bud Light Seltzer unquestionably good go to BudLight.com more of the Bill Michaels huddle next Wisconsin wide the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network Uh, for example, just the Lions game, you know, we just wasn't, you know, just focused. I think that, you know, we were just kind of all over the place. And, you know, we, we came together on the sideline, we, we regrouped, and uh, we made sure that, you know, we, we played Green Bay football and our Green Bay defense. And we'll, we'll make sure that, you know, we come out and start the game fast and do what we got to do. 
That is Christian Kirksey talking about the defense wanting to play better, getting off to a faster start. Uh, the first two drives of the opponent, the first two games of the season, have resulted in touchdowns, and uh, the Detroit Lions capitalized then again after that as the Green Bay Packers still went on to victory, but it's been one of the areas of adjustments and of concern. Welcome back. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle, and we are brought to you by our good friends over there at Bud Light and Bud Light Seltzer. Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. They have a five-step filtration process, no lingering aftertaste, many, many different flavors, such as cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, strawberry. Go to BudLight.com. That is BudLight.com. Been with us a long, 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 long time, my 20th year with Budweiser, as a matter of fact, and thanks to them for being a part of the program. Doug Russell, Mike Wickett, back together again, joining me on the huddle tonight. And, guys, Christian Kirksey brings up a good point. You remove the first drive out of each of the last two games. If the Packers are able to get stops with the offense that they have, is this then the best team in football, Michael? Oh, boy. Um can I can I wait till after this weekend's game to give you an answer that isn't uh, because there are two teams playing on Monday night that I would you know say have a a, a hat a ring to throw into that hat or whatever uh, or hat into the ring excuse me and then there was the team that played against New England last week that would be in that conversation as well I think your big four and I hate power rankings but your big four the champs are the Chiefs the Ravens the Seahawks and the Packers. I don't know who's after that. I think Buffalo might be in that conversation. I know we're going to get to all the games later, Bill, but I can't put the Packers with two wins over the Lions and Vikings ahead of anybody right now in that in that top three. Doug? I'm going to cheap out and say it's too early to tell. I mean, I think it's it's lovely to say, <laughs> but we're two games into a 16-game season. He hot takes, Doug. I, I, I get it. I, I understand. I think that's maybe what Christian Kirksey was asking for as well. He's like, yeah, let's just say something that is incendiary and is going to get some attention, and obviously it, it has, but I think to Mike's point, Kansas City and Baltimore, that's going to be a great game on Monday night. Uh, so the, the balance of power, where is it after two games? I, there's When there's 14 games left to play, when there's so many injuries that are still going to happen, you look at what the Packers were able to do last year, where every break went their way, where they, you know, they were in the, the final four, if you will. They were in the NFC Championship game, obviously, against San Francisco. Were they, the you know, one of the four best teams in the NFL last year? Prob- probably not, but they got hot at the right time. I think they ran out of gas. They got pounded and embarrassed a couple of times by the 49ers. But to to say after two games for anybody to say, yes, I think the Packers are the best team in the NFL. I just, to me, it's just too early to say that. I think the Arizona is a really good team right now too. They, they, I was just going to say that, but, but Kyler Murray and, and, uh, you know, he's had an unbelievable run so far. And you've got Deandre Hopkins, who's now happy and, and really productive. Don't sleep on Arizona. I was going to say the same thing. I like Arizona. I don't know if they're mature enough to get the, that to that echelon yet. Seattle, their defense is not great, but Russell Wilson is having an already. Uh, you got to look over that fence and say, boy, that's the front runner for the MVP if he keeps this up. Uh, the Rams have bounced back, and and they have been a team that, uh, as far as the run or the uh, the point differential, that's a team undefeated. I had said at the beginning of the season, I said, man. I think Dallas is going to be better, even with Mike McCarthy, and I shouldn't qualify Oops. it that way. But anytime Oops. you get a new coach, 
usually it takes a little while, but Mike is there to propel them forward, not there to hinder them for the next couple of years and then get it going. Uh, I think the Packers are a very good team. I don't know what has happened in Minnesota. It's just that defense has started to erode, and Kirk Cousins looked more, less than pedestrian against the Colts I, sitting there at 0-2 right actually, now. Actually, Bill, I, I really think the Vikings should think about re-signing Kirk to another extension. I mean, I would guy, as a Packer fan, yes. That guy's guaranteed $100 million. Can we get that guy for a lifetime deal Holy in Minneapolis? Mackerel. I mean, Stafford's wearing out his welcome in, in Detroit. I still don't believe Trubisky's any good. Uh, you know, I know they're off to a 2-0 and start. I think the Packers are the class of the NFC North. And they're the, in the conversation as uh, one of the top three teams in, in the NFC. And that's why I think Matt Patricia is your coach of the year every season if yes. you're a Packers fan. Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, well, you can talk about Quinn is on the hot seat. Patricia's on the hot seat. I know they just gave him a contract extension, but if this thing goes terribly, terribly south after giving them the quarterback that they wanted, I got to think that Mike Zimmer eventually has to pay the piper because they have not sniffed what they've needed to sniff the entire time other than when Brett Favre was there. And then when they finally did get to the to, to, to the postseason with a really solid team, then they said, no, we need to upgrade the quarterback, who's only given them one win in the postseason since, and they've spent a ton of money on him. i got to think at some point Zimmer's going to have to pay the piper too. I, I, I totally agree, and, and I, I don't understand what Minnesota did in their playoff game, and I know San Francisco was the superior team, but to go away from Dalvin Cook, despite that being the teeth of San Francisco's defense, to not give the ball to Dalvin Cook 22, 25 times in that NFC playoff game, was, was I was sitting here in my couch just thinking, what in the world are you doing? And then the Browns hired the offensive coordinator. <laughs> it was the most right. Browns move ever. But I think that you could honestly see a couple of coaching changes this offseason if Detroit and, and Minnesota don't make the postseason, which I don't think either of them will, especially not Detroit. But, yeah, I, I think both of those guys could be gone. Well, look at Denver. I mean, what has Vic Fangio done as Broncos head coach? They're, I mean, you want to talk about a team that's a disaster right now. And maybe, John, you know, listen, John Elway, and I know we'll get to the other games later on uh, in, in the show in the second hour, but, you know, uh, with, with Locke now out, you've got John Elway, who's – this Hall of Fame quarterback who's been running this franchise, he he, he hit on Peyton Manning. You're not going to not hit on Peyton Manning, but when does John Elway start to pay the piper for the disaster that he's overseen in Denver? He yep. will never well, get fired. He'll never, never get, get fired. fired. And the fact You're that he's got not. that one, he's been to two Super Bowls and he's got that one ring in his back pocket, that'll buy him a little extra time. He'll probably retire before they have the chance to fire him, or yeah. that'll be they'll the never, ceremony. They'll never retire. fire him in Denver. He's a god in Denver, but that team is right. a disaster right now. Yep, no doubt. One hour down, one hour yet to go. Mike Wickett, Doug Russell. I'm Bill Michaels. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle. We're brought to you by Bud Light. Unquestionably good. Four different flavor, flavors cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, and strawberry. Go to BudLight.com. We've got more. Another one, another hour yet coming right after this. You're listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis. 
The best interviews, the best coverage, and no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle. As we sit here tonight, a little bit later than we usually are, 7 to 9 this evening on many of these network stations, the Bill Michaels Huddle. Thanks for taking uh, the time to listen to us, staying up a little bit extra late tonight. Packers getting ready to take on the New Orleans Saints. You've got uh, the uh, Thursday night game on where you've got uh, the Dolphins and uh, the Jaguars going at one another. And tonight on the program, on our panel, the two guys used to work together at 12.50 a.m. Before it even had an FM station or an FM signal, it was 12.50 a.m., our flagship station out of Milwaukee, Mike Wickett and Doug Russell along for the ride. Aaron Rodgers recorded a passer rating of 100-plus in the month of September five times during 2011 through 2019. He continues to play at a top level, averaging a 119 quarterback rating as of right now. We talked about how good he is. But looking at this uh, this New Orleans Saints team, guys, this was a team that many thought was Super Bowl bound. They had a little bit of a controversy when uh, Drew Brees spoke up and then did not necessarily retracted his words, but then shifted his words back towards his teammates and such. Uh, I thought uh, you know they were ever going to be able to wrap their arms around all of this and kind of move forward. Uh, but what I didn't count on was Drew Brees looking as if he's gotten a little bit older. And I know we touched on this in the first hour. But Drew Brees' numbers, Drew Brees' rating, Drew Brees' grades via Pro Football Focus, everything seems to be down. Can you just look at Drew Brees and say he doesn't look like the same quarterback, Mike? Yeah, I, I absolutely. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that Drew Brees isn't the Drew Brees from, you know, two years ago, three years. You saw it a little bit last year, too, I think. I mean, I know that uh, they lost Kamara for a lot of last season and, and whatnot, and they don't have Michael Thomas now, but you can admit like there will be a point. I think we were saying it up until this point that Aaron Rodgers was starting to lose it. And it's blasphemy in the state of Wisconsin. I understand you're not supposed to say a bad word about Aaron. You said it about, you know, Brett Favre at the end of his career, but you can say it about Drew Brees. Now the question is, will they ever pull Drew Brees because he's not top 10 quarterback Drew Brees? Will they be better off with Jameis Winston, the backup? The answer is probably no, but Winston can put up 400 yards and throw five interceptions in a game. But as long as Drew Brees kind of plays that Tom Brady role right now where I don't need him to throw for 350, but I need him not to turn the ball over, Doug, that's a Drew Brees that can win football games with Thomas when he comes back, with Jared Cook, with Alvin Kamara. Like, he just has to be a distributor and maybe not expect massive fantasy stats. Yeah, I don't know if he's ever going to be the point guard that Brady has been over the course of his career, but I think you're right. As long as he can manage the game, I, I think that Breeze is a better option. And look, Packers fans, heaven sent team savior Taysom Hill a few years ago, still lament uh, the, the fact that he was cut loose by Green Bay because he's Mr. Everything for the uh, Saints. I don't know if he would get more snaps or if it, as you mentioned, Jameis Winston would be the guy. Um, Jameis Winston, I, I think he's just going to be one of those quarterbacks who is just never going to fulfill the promise that he had coming out of college, just throws too many interceptions, but you know, is still someone who started a number of games and can legitimately step in if necessary. But as far as Drew Brees is concerned, yeah, I mean, we're talking about it in hour number one, father time takes its toll 
on everybody. And now Drew Brees is 40 or 41 years old. Wasn't sure that he was going to come back. Bill mentioned the flap. So if you want to talk about sports and politics, Mike, I'll let you go. Oh, I, I don't. I or... not, No, not tonight. I, I don't want to do that. No, no. Okay. Um, but but again, when you when you're missing, you're maybe the best wide receiver in the NFL and Michael Thomas, when Emmanuel Sanders is banged up as well. I mean, they've got former Packer Jared Cook, who is a huge part of the offense as well. But, you know, it's just as far as Drew Brees, and I think that was your question, Bill, originally. Do you see some recession in his performance? Yeah, absolutely. But that's going to happen to every player when they get above 40 in the National Football League. Sean Payton, he's got an impressive run as the head coach of the Saints since being hired back in 2006. And after they had only had two division titles prior to that, they have had six under Payton, including three straight NFC South titles. And uh, for the first time, they won their division. And also, they obviously have won a Super Bowl, but they've won one. Why does Sean Payton and Drew Brees, Doug, not get the same amount of criticism that Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers get? I think it's or the difference God. between the, I, I think it's the difference between the fan bases on, honestly because the Saints as you mentioned they had never won a Super Bowl before Sean Payton and Drew Brees had arrived. This was a, a community that was devastated from Hurricane Katrina. Um, this was I mean look they were the Aints for so many years. This was a, a franchise that had just never really done anything so the bar wasn't set as high as it was in Green Bay, the most storied franchise in all of football. So I think that's a big part of it. 2 years ago they probably should have gone to the Super Bowl except for a phantom no call of uh pass interference against the Rams. So you can point to that there have been kind of different eras of Sean Payton, Drew Brees, New Orleans Saints football, and and most of it has been good. And you look at the overall body of work, and I think that's probably why he doesn't get the same amount of flack that Mike McCarthy did when he was in Green Bay. Mike, what do you think? Um, Well, I've mentioned this on my podcast, Wicked on Wisconsin, uh, as a matter of fact, Bill. Um, I I think Doug's got a really good point that that you get your one. It'd be like if Wisconsin ever won a national championship in football. People would just lose it forever, and it didn't matter what they would do for the next 30 years or the 40 years or the Brewers to win a World Series. The Packers bar is set so much higher than what New Orleans bar is. I will say this, though. If you go down and you look at some of the newspapers and and the publications and the bloggers and everything in New Orleans, over the last five years, they have gone after uh, Sean Payton and Drew Brees the way that people in Wisconsin have gone after Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers to say they're wasting his prime. If you Google Drew Brees wasting prime, there are 30 articles written by Saints writers who say the same thing as all of the writers in Wisconsin at the Journal Sentinel and the State Journal and everything and all the radio guys. They have gone after him as well, because, again, we don't we're not in that world as much. You know, we're, we're consumed with Packers coverage, but down there they, they do criticize him. But I think Doug's point is is spot on, though. Nationally, we may say, you know, why isn't Drew Brees winning another championship? Why don't we hold Drew Brees to the same level of like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning when we talk about the greatest quarterback of all time down there? They're pretty happy. Of course, they want another one, but they're pretty happy with their one. And what they have down there, Mike, it's LSU football and everything. Yeah. Just like in Wisconsin, it's Packers football and everything flows beyond that. 
uh, to your point, if the Brewers ever won a World Series, they'd build a statue of Craig Council. We still celebrate a team that lost the World Series in 1982. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at what happened to Les Miles for crying out loud in LSU. They got off to a rough start and all of a sudden, you know, he's gone. Um, so everything stems from there. I mean, the Pelicans, everybody loves Zion Williamson. They're what in fourth oh. or fifth place as far LSU as what... ba- Doug LSU baseball is bigger than 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 agreed than New Orleans NBA basketball. If Orgeron doesn't win another title in five years, They'll do you still think he him. keep? You think so? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that okay. because he's a native, uh, he he is he just drips every time he opens his mouth, and the gravel that's in his throat talks about. Oh, I'm going to so etouffee. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that they're going to build a statue to. And I can't see that guy coaching at Stanford. I, you know, he just doesn't <laughs> seem like the kind of guy. <laughs> well, he turned him down. They they said, you know, no, he he wasn't. It was just basically because of the way he talked and the way he looked. Did you see that sixty yeah. minutes piece? That was no. I thought that was incredibly fascinating this past Sunday night on Bergeron and and not only him but the way they take care of the guys, the way they take care of the team, the way they're testing now and what they're doing down there to keep those guys safe. Let's do this. We'll step out for a couple of minutes and come back. Uh, and then we'll get into the rest of the NFL coming up here towards the bottom of the hour. But we're talking with Doug Russell, Mike Wicked. It's the Bill Michael Suttle. It's brought to you by Bud Light. Bud Light, uh, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. And Bill, uh, the uh, Bud Light Seltzer are unquestionably smooth with many different flavors. Go to BudLight.com. More of the Bill Michael Suttle. And we'll talk about Dome Field Advantage next. Border to Border, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. We know what wins football games, and we know what makes it very, very difficult to win football games. And obviously, we made way too many mistakes out there um, in order to win that game. Welcome back to the program. Those are the words of Drew Brees, Saints quarterback. And they have had some issues, and Drew Brees has not been the uh, the quarterback or the Drew Brees that we have come to know over the years. And uh, it's going to be an interesting contest coming up on Sunday Night Football down in the Dome. Mike Wickett, Doug Russell both joining me tonight in the Bill Michaels Huddle, uh, both at uh, one point in time on 1250 AM, our flagship station, 105.7 also, FM out of Milwaukee joining us uh, on the roundtable here this evening. And so you talk about the dome field advantage, as they call it. Uh, New Orleans tied for fourth best home record in uh, in all of football. The number one team, New England. The number two, Green Bay. And then Baltimore being number three uh, since uh, 2013. So I know it's a weird scenario. And Aaron Rodgers alleged, uh, kind of alluded to it in his press conference today, saying, "Look, they had to play on Monday night. They got to come back home. They're going to be a little more fatigued. You're not you're only going to get seventy decibels. It's not going to be Houdat Nation." Is playing in this dome when we circled this at the beginning of the season when we saw the schedule come out? In play, is playing in this dome really truly a home field advantage, Mike? You know, I, I looked at the schedule like everybody else did, and I had him at twelve and four, uh, and this was one of the losses. The thing is, with COVID and no fans being anywhere, I don't think home field advantage matters as much. And as a matter of fact, we saw it against uh, Minnesota in the opener. When was the last time Aaron Rodgers drew the opposition off on their home turf? So right. I, without fans, I, I feel like at, at Lambeau, it'll play the same way. Home field advantage goes out the window. I mean, that that was one of the biggest problems for the Milwaukee Bucks was they didn't have their home field advantage when they were down in the bubble because they play so well at Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee. I don't think home field factors in all that much. I mean, it, it looks good to me 
it looks good to the fans. It sounds good. I like the, the piped in crowd noise. I didn't think I would. I was wrong. But to the guys on the field, it, I, I bet it feels more like a, you know, a, a closed scrimmage. And I don't know if that favors Green Bay more or less, but I don't think it helps at New Orleans anymore uh, playing at home. I, I, Doug, I don't know how you feel, but it, to me, I love the fact that the Packers are really good now playing on everybody else's turf because of Aaron Rodgers' cadence. Yeah, well, there's a flip side of that, though, too. The Packers don't get that same home field advantage at Lambeau Field. G-Force! As well, <laughs> right, with the lights that are flashing back and forth and back and forth every time there's a touchdown. So, um, look, I think... Well, that- it's better than that foghorn that they were playing, which was supposed to be the, what was it, oh. SS Green Bay, and it sounded like your fat Uncle Charlie after Thanksgiving dinner you- sitting in your favorite chair. Do they still do that at Soldier Field? I haven't watched a Bears game yet. Do they still have that stupid horn that that sucks <laughs> playing at Soldier Field? No. <laughs> one in, in Minnesota. I don't think they do in Chicago. Do they, Bill? They no. Did. They don't have that same horn down there. They just play Good. that uh, that that you know bear down Chicago Bears song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, no, I agree with Mike. I don't think there's much of a home field advantage, and, and that will help the Packers this week. And there will be weeks where it hurts the Packers when they're at Lambeau Field. But yeah, it's a it's 2020 is a strange world that we're living in right now, and. Uh, fortunately, again, it works. It works out for the Packers this week because New Orleans and Minnesota before that really tough dome stadiums in which to play in. The biggest, and I didn't realize this. I was listening to actually Dave Wanstadt the other day talk about statistics and first half statistics and and point differential in the first half. And and I thought to myself, okay, I, I guess I could go along with something like that, but it does take away from comebacks and third quarters and fast starts, but. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, when they are leading at halftime under Sean Payton, are 107 and 13. I so I, I I look at this and I think to myself, what the Packers have done, where they have turned the tide, grabbed momentum just before halftime. I think the first half of this game is going to win and or dictate this game. The Packers need to get off to a fast start, and they need then to allow that defense to really come in. I hate to say because as much as I want to say you got to stop the run, you do. But you really need to slow it down and put it in Drew Brees' hands. And if you get off to a fast lead, that's the way you're going to win this game because really this team has been lights out and lights out at home has been even more deadly for for uh, for them and for opponents going in to the Dome down there. So, Doug, do they have to win this first half of this game to really be secure about winning the game as a whole? I mean, certainly it helps, right? I don't think they have to, though, because – uh, look, the, the Packers have played well for 55 minutes and poorly for five minutes. Think about the 2014 NFC Championship game, for example. Uh, I know nobody wants to, but you have to. It's, it's such 20, a cliche. September 24th, 2020, we're still bringing up the 2014 NFC Championship I game. did. I, I don't want to go off on a tangent, <laughs> but I did a, a, a poll on a, a former radio show of mine where I'm trying to convince Packers fans that Super Bowl 32 was a, a more painful loss than the NFC Championship game against Seattle, and nobody was buying it. I mean, that was a Super Bowl. So that that's one that's going to stay forever that's fourth and 26 that's every bad loss that the Packers have ever had a lot of it is going to go come down to the 2014 NFC championship game but that's a perfect example of the fact that the Packers stopped playing football when there were five minutes left to play after the interception in the middle of the field after Morgan Burnett lay down after picking off Russell Wilson the Packers stopped playing football so do they need to win halftime no I don't it uh, I think it's an obvious thing to say that certainly it would help. And, you know, the halftime sandwich that they had by scoring right before 
uh, the, the, going into the break and then getting the ball after they defer after winning the toss, which is something that teams are more apt to do nowadays, as opposed to taking the, uh, the, the, the ball to start the game. Um, yeah, it, it certainly helps and it gives you a lot of momentum, but I think anytime I'll give you another cliche, anytime you've got number 12 on the field, it gives, Here we go. <laughs> it gives you a chance, right? And, but, but it's true. It's, it's a cliche. I, I fully admit that, but it's a true cliche because if, if Devontae Adams is healthy, if Aaron Rodgers is healthy right now, if Aaron Jones is healthy and that offensive line can do what they can do, the Packers can put up points in a hurry. Mike? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you kind of have to. I, I just don't know if the Packers will. I mean, the, the, the Saints are a better team than the first two opponents we have seen, and the first two opponents we've seen have been able to go down the Packers' throat the first drive. And the difference is... The Lions are the Lions, and the Vikings have Kirk Cousins. So I don't trust either team to keep it together for four quarters. You know, Doug mentioned it. At the, at the, the Lions are defined by what happened at the end of that first half. The Packers gave them the ball back with a minute 45 and three timeouts. It was a run up the middle, a near safety sack, and then a run, and there was a holding penalty that stopped the clock, and they gave the ball right back to Green Bay. Green Bay, boom, 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 complete, complete, complete penalty on the on Detroit horse collar on Detroit touchdown then what happens Aaron Jones after the kickoff uh, at the halftime kickoff goes 75 yards like that encompassed the Lions in every way the Vikings don't have a really good quarterback Cousins is garbage meanwhile the Saints are loaded on both sides of the ball not the great Drew Brees but still a good Drew Brees I don't think Green Bay can go down you know 10 points at half and expect to come back on New Orleans yeah, I would agree, but I'll say this, uh, and the one thing that you had mentioned was the, the kind of the trenches, and you kind of briefly ran across that, but, you know, look, that offensive line for the Saints, that that's a, you talk about Armstead and Pete, uh, hell, Easton, uh, Ramchek, uh, we all know Ryan Ramchek, that's some beef up front, and that is made to run the football. And why they got away from that on Monday night, I have no idea, because they were doing it so successfully with Kamara. So I don't know what the biggest matchup is. We keep talking about Breeze and, and Rodgers and Jones and Kamara, but to me it may be the offensive front of New Orleans against the defensive front of Green Bay, or if you want to flip it, when you look at uh, you know Brown and Jordan and Hendrickson and and Ellis and all those big beefy guys they have up front down there, Janoris Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins, uh, in that secondary, that the the Packers have been. We touched on it in the first hour. The Packers' offense has been so good, but it's been so weird because Elton Jenkins starts out at right tackle, then moves back to left guard, and Lane Taylor mm-hmm. goes down, and then Runyon comes in, and they have and he's only, and Aaron Rodgers has only been sacked once and and hurried four times which is like mind-boggling to me, the fact that that offensive line has been so good. And then I go back to something Aaron Rodgers said when he had his presser. He said, I went back to 2011, I looked at something, and the one thing that I noticed over the first two weeks, he's one of the fastest releases yes. in the NFL, and he's yep. getting rid of the football. So to me, if Aaron Rodgers plays that style of football, and, they can, and, and this is barring the fact that maybe, say, Devontae Adams doesn't play or what have you, but if they can get, if he can get rid of the football quickly, it completely negates a decent pass rush and a team that was what fourth or fifth in sacks last year coming into this season. It would completely negate that, and to me, that might be one of the biggest keys of the game. Doug, 
No, I agree with you. And 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 look, I think that uh, the release point for uh, Aaron has look it made him. He went back to 2011. That's the the year that he won his first MVP award. The Packers were 15 and one that season. And sometimes when you get away from what makes you successful, and I don't know if that you know had to do with the the disconnect with Mike McCarthy, and then it just got further and further and further in the rearview mirror. Um, that's a possibility. I don't know, but sometimes when you aren't as successful, you want to go back to try to figure out what was I doing well? What was I doing right? And to have someone at the stage of Aaron's career that can go back and be, uh, you know, responsive enough to kind of go back and and look at, yeah, this is what made me the best player in football. This is what put me in Canton in the first place. And then go back and, and, you know, try to emulate that again with the weapons that he has right now, they've got to hang on to the ball. MVS has to hang on to the ball. The Titans have to hang on to the ball. Devontae Adams has to stay healthy and on the field. But if all of those things can happen, I, I, I would put the Packers offense up against just about anybody's. And I think this is going to be a great game, honestly, hey, coming up on Sunday night. Honestly, and I know we're up against the break, Bill, so I'll be real quick. But they got to find somebody to be a reliable second option to catch the ball outside of Aaron Jones. I mean, Devontae, if he's healthy, is fine. Jones, cool. MVS has been up and down. Lazard's been up and down. The tight ends have been up and down. They have to find somebody who's going to be that second option. I That I completely agree. The one thing I can say is Alan Lazard, a couple of catches he has made, has been, the, that third down catch that he had against Detroit was phenomenal. The diving catch when the ball was, I don't want to say poorly thrown, it was probably thrown in probably the only place you could possibly grab it. But that guy's been as reliable as reliable gets, except for some of the catches, and we talked about Marcos Valdez-Scaling as well, that are right there, Tanya, right there. And guys, yep. the young guys, uh, it's like I want James Sternberger. Yep. Sternberger. It's like I want James Jones to walk in and go, hey, guys, this is what happens and this is what you do. Because remember, James Jones, back during when they went on that run, he had that touchdown catch in Philadelphia right there. And it went right through his fingers, and he ended up calling his old high school coach, and the guy said, hey, dummy, you can't you can't run without the football. And for whatever reason, that stuck, and then he became a terrific wide receiver. Let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll start to look around the rest of the NFL. you got one in progress right now, and there's a beatdown going on in Florida. But obviously there's two teams playing from Florida. We'll tell you what's going on there, and then we'll pick the rest of the games coming up. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michaels Huddle brought to you by Bud Light with Mike Wickett, Doug Russell, coming up right after this. 16 stations strong. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. You know, all of us on the field at one time or, you know, us rotating and creating different looks and keeping guys fresh and keeping um, the tackles and offensive lines guessing when we hit the field so because they don't know what they're going to get. They don't know if it's going to be Measy or Rashawn, uh, you know, different packages we have and the, and the mix-ups we have. And they have to kind of prepare for all of us, which is, you know, kind of frustrating in a lot of ways because they have to prepare for three different guys. There you go. That's Preston Smith and uh, talking about the three-headed monster. Um, and then, obviously, Zadaria Smith, Rashawn Gary, the other two heads of that three-headed monster. As Rashawn Gary is, uh, well, at least making some plays and getting noticed. So he has been solid. He has uh, cut off some cutback lanes. He's put some pressure on a quarterback. He's obviously got a sack. He put pressure on Matthew Stafford, enough so that 
that's when uh, that's when that ball got uh, Shannon Sullivan ended up picking him off and taking it back for the pick six, which it really started up front. So Rashawn Gary playing some quality snaps as well. Welcome back. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. We've got Doug uh, Russell and Mike Wickett alongside, reunited together again. Time to take a look around the rest of the NFL. I don't want to get into the picks of uh, the game that's currently going because it's a little bit late in the evening, but Miami currently 21-7. Take the Dolphins, 21-7 with uh, Fitzmagic <laughs> over, over Minshew Mania. Uh, the beard over the mustache right now, 21-7. to The Dolphins winning that contest. The other game. Did you know the Ryan docket, Fitzpatrick went to, uh, went to Harvard? I had never heard I that. I did in my know life. that. That is amazing. I heard that. I was blown away. He is also the team doctor, I think. <laughs> He's that smart. Uh, let's go to the games that are on the docket. The 0-2 Atlanta Falcons, who just watched it get away on the watermelon onside kick via Mike McCarthy. <laughs> Only an onside kick could be named after food coming out of Mike McCarthy's uh, institution. Uh, but that being said, they are hosting the 2-0 Chicago Bears. I mean, how about those Chicago Bears, guys? I'll start with you, Mike. I I, uh, I missed the cup final minutes of the collapse of the Atlanta game because I was recording my podcast Wicked on Wisconsin after every Packers game. And so I didn't get a chance to see the very end, Bill, of that game. But what a choke job. How do they come back from that? Like if you're the Atlanta Falcons, honestly, what kind of attitude are you going to have? Are you going to say, guys, we got to put that behind us, come back out, throw the ball to Julio, throw the ball to Calvin Ridley, or are they going to just choke it away? And on the flip side, Doug, Mitch Trubisky has five touchdown passes in the last five quarters. This guy is actually putting up good numbers for Chicago. Yeah, he's, he, uh, still he's Mitch playing Trubisky. pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> but are they going to win? Is Mitch Trubisky and company going to win? No, I, I, I Atlanta has to win this game at home. And and I, Doug, I'll, I'll take the Falcons. No, I'm going to take the Falcons as well. I just think they're desperate. Uh, they outplayed the Cowboys. It goes back to what we were saying in the last segment about uh, do the Packers need to win uh, halftime against the Saints coming up on Sunday? Well, you look at the Cowboys. They certainly didn't win the first half against the Falcons. They didn't win until like the last minute of the game against the uh, the Falcons last week. So I think Atlanta's desperate. They're at home. Chicago, I, don't, I still think Mitch Trubisky sucks. I still think that he's playing out of his mind right now, and he's going to come crashing back down to earth. I pick Atlanta in this one. I'm taking the Falcons in this one as well. The Rams, West Coast to East Coast, usually never fares well. The 2-0 Rams, the 2-0 Bills. I think the Bills are finally on to something with what they put together. Stephon Diggs has is, is really been a big asset to that offense. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Bills at home to knock off the Rams. Back to you, Doug. Yeah, I think this one's going to be a close one as well. The one thing about Los Angeles and Buffalo this year is they've been having great quarterback play in the early going. Again, granted, it's only two games, but Jared Goff for the Rams, Josh Allen for the Bills, uh, they've both been marvelous, and I think that this is going to be a close game. I don't necessarily think that it's going to be that high scoring a game, partially because, again, it's it's West Coast coming to East Coast, but I do think that the Bills are going to come away with a close victory, probably about four points or so. I like Buffalo as well. I think the Rams running game right now is a mess. They got one healthy running back right now. Early game, not only East Coast, West Coast, or West Coast to East Coast, but it's the early start time for the Rams in Buffalo. And between Moss and Singletary and Diggs and Josh Allen, Bill, I think you're probably right. I think they are onto something offensively, and you know Buffalo is going to play good D. Give me the Bills. 
who knew that the Washington football team would get a win early on, but they are 1-1 one one against the Browns, who have got a win. And they are 1-1. One and, one. and, again, the Browns beat Cincinnati, so I don't know how much that actually counts as a win. It should be like a .5. But I, I'm going to take, uh, take Haskins and company over uh, over what they've got going on in Cle- Cleveland. I just can't become a believer in. I know Odell Beckham Jr. has talked about getting out of there. There's been a lot of tumultuous relationship stuff inside that locker room. I, Cleveland still is a cluster, and I just can't believe in them, and I don't think I can pick them on a continual basis. So I'm going to go with the Washington football team. Mike, back to you. I like uh, Cleveland in this ball game. I like them to run the football. Uh, I know everybody wants to see Baker sling it around, but between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, I don't think Washington can stop anybody on the ground. I like that one-two combination. I will take, can't believe I'm saying this, Doug, I'll take the Browns. Now, here's what's really going to pain me on this one, Wicked, is that I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> uh, I like Cleveland in this one as well, and I think you bring up Chubb and Hunt, and I think that um, that's a great one-two combination out of the backfield. I think Washington's defensive front, they're, they're pretty stout, so it's not going to be just a walkover, but I do think Cleveland, they're rested as well. They've got a, a couple of extra days of preparation for Washington, so I'm going to take the Browns on this one. The 2-0 and Titans going into Minnesota and taking on the 0-2 Vikings, who looked about as bad as they could possibly look in that game against Indianapolis, and you've got Kirk Cousins throwing three picks in that ball game. Uh, but this is, I think, where the Vikings get their first one of the season, and I'm going to pick the Vikings. Doug, back to you. Yeah, I'm going to pick Minnesota as well. Um, Ryan Tannehill, he... Correct me if I'm wrong. He sucked for the first seven years of his NFL career, right? <laughs> the first two. The first two of his career. <laughs> so Ryan Tannehill, for the last two, he's been really good. Uh, so Ryan Tannehill, I, I I think at some point, look, he's 32 years old. This is, what, his ninth or tenth year in the it's, NFL? What are you talking about? <laughs> what, Ryan Tannehill? Your right, he's 46. He's not 32 years old, is he? He's 46. Yeah. Is he really 32 years old? My gosh, I don't think he's been in the league that long. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, I, yeah, look it up. He he left Texas A&M in 2011. I, I covered. My God, I covered Johnny Manziel the next year. How uh, old am trophy. I now? Ryan I don't Tannehill. Know. How did this is, happen? I don't know. He I, was born. I don't know what the hell you talking uh, about then? He was born on July 27th, 1988, makes him 32 years old. I never would have guessed that. I'm sorry, Doug. I never would have guessed that. I'm going the opposite way of YouTube. The Vikings are going to start out 0-3. Ryan Tannehill has been a top six quarterback ever since he got traded from the toilet in Miami to Tennessee. They've got decent weapons. Derrick Henry pounds the ball. You know you can run on Minnesota. I think the Titans go on the road and win, and I think the Vikings are 0-3. The Raiders on the road uh, after getting two wins. They started out 2-0. and They're now going into New England and taking on the Patriots and Cam Newton. And, and man, it's it, – I, I like what the Raiders have going on. I just can't trust them. And because of that trust factor, I'm going to go with a team with virtually no players of name because everybody opted out and Cam Newton. So I'm going to go with the Patriots to go to 2-1 and on the season, Michael. This is another West Coast going east and playing in an early game. Um, I Listen, I like the, the Patriots straight up, but this number is five and a half. Give me Josh Jacobs running over people. Give me Carr actually playing within himself, and they have weapons. Waller's a tremendous tight end. I like Oakland to keep it close, but I will take Cam coming home and building on the momentum of that win over Seattle. That was a fun football game. 
uh, on Sunday night or whenever it was. Yeah, Sunday night football. But uh, Doug, I'll I'll take the Raiders and the points. Yeah, I'm going to take New England, actually, in this one. I'm with Bill. I think that uh, Cam Newton is rejuvenated with uh, the new change of scenery that he's gotten this year. Uh, I think the pa- uh, the Patriots offense is a little bit uh, more balanced. I-, I like Waller, don't get me wrong, for Las Vegas. I like Derek Carr. He's a nice player. But um, I'm going to go with New England on this one. I think it's going to be a close game. Knock on wood if you're with me. Then the 49ers. Talk about another West, West Coast to East Coast. 49ers sitting at one and one and not looking too great, and they have lost a boatload of people. Do and they're staying basically in New York because they're playing on the same turf that they blamed for costing them all the injuries last week. So they're playing at uh, MetLife Stadium again. This time taking on the Giants and not the Jets. The Giants are uh, are winless and they've lost to Quan Barkley for the uh, remainder of the season as well. So Doug, I'll go back to you. I'm taking the 49ers to get a win, but uh, this is going to be a close one and an ugly game. Yeah, the Giants just suck out loud. Uh, you mentioned Saquon Barkley out for the rest of the season. Uh, San Francisco's been banged up as well, Raheem Mostert, with a knee injury. Uh, George Kittle back at practice today, though. So I think that's going to help Jimmy Garoppolo, who needs that target. to. And look, Garoppolo's a little bit banged up as well. But I think that if mm-hmm. he can get Kittle back in the lineup, that's just going to take away so much pressure on him. You talked about the fact that they stayed in town uh, from – Last week, playing the Jets at the Meadowlands. Now they're playing the Giants at the Meadowlands. So you take away that West Coast to East Coast. I like the 49ers in a close one on this one. The Giants are one of the worst teams in the league. I think they're going to go to 0-3. Jimmy G didn't practice today, likely not practicing the rest of the week. I Listen, if Nick Mullins starts, give me the Giants at home, all right? Give me give me New York and what are they, Wayne Gallman. Give me New York and Devonta Freeman. Give me New York and Dion Lewis. Give me Danny Dimes and the Giants if Nick Mullins can't go, because that's just a lot of starters from the San Francisco 49ers that will be out. If Mullins plays or starts and Garoppolo can't go, give me the G-men, Bill. Uh, I will give it to you. One more before we take the quick <laughs> break. Uh, I will give it to you. Take the G-men. Uh, the Bengals at 0-2 taking on the Eagles at 0-2 in Philadelphia. Uh, I know in Cincinnati they like what Joe Burrow has brought to the table, but it has not proven to be a winning formula thus far. Meanwhile, Carson Wentz, he is, to say he's struggling would be a, a mighty understatement, and you talk about the word suckage. He has been terrible, and Doug Peterson has now on, gone, gone on the defensive for his guy and almost blaming the media for asking tough questions. Uh, things are getting hot in Philadelphia. Wentz stinks out loud. Burrow's better, and I'm going to pick, pick the Bengals on the road to get their first win of the season. You know, as a guy who has Carson Wentz as his starting quarterback, Bill, you are basically just pouring salt into the wound over the last 14 <laughs> days of my life. Uh, I really do. He's the only quarterback I have on my roster, and the the rest of the uh, the, the waiver wire looks like Mitch Trubisky and Nick Mullins. So uh, you're really not making me feel very good about this. I'll say with all the weapons playing at home, I know home field is not what it was. I just don't see Nick, uh, uh, Joe Burrow going into Philadelphia and winning. I will take Carson Wentz at home. If this game was in Cincinnati, Doug, I'd go the other way, but give me the Eagles. I think that's wishful thinking on your part. Um, I think <laughs> at some point the NFL has to realize, and I hate, 
agreeing with Mike Greenberg because I disagree with him on just about everything. But when he went after Carson Wentz this past week, Carson Wentz sucks. And I think that it's time the NFL realizes that Carson Wentz may have been one of you put him in that echelon of overrated quarterbacks coming out of college. He's literally done nothing. He's gotten injured. And when he has been able to play, he has done nothing for Philadelphia. This is not helping my confidence in my fantasy team, Doug. Not what? Not a little bit. None. Zero. I'm thus I'm the sorry. terminology. I'm, I'm the truth fantasy. teller. Uh, Cincinnati wins this one. There you go. Let's do this. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back, wrap it up rather quickly in the next segment. But we're going to look at all the games, including the Sunday night game. Packers taking on the Saints. And that big one coming up on Monday, the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Baltimore Ravens. We've got more of the Bill Michaels Tunnel final segment coming up next. Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. definitely makes it more challenging for the offense especially when you're going into places that are known to be extremely loud where it's hard to communicate but uh, I think a lot of visiting teams right now are catching breaks those are the words of Matt LaFleur as the Packers get ready to go into a fan list although there's going to be about I think anywhere from 700 to a thousand people that have been invited for the game but basically a fan list uh, Superdome uh, joining me on the uh, huddle tonight, Mike Wicket, Doug Russell. We're going to roll through these. Uh, we only got about four minutes left to go here, guys, so we're going to get through these rather quickly. Uh, Steelers hosting the Texans. Texans 0-2, Steelers 2-0. Steelers are playing some some good football, and I'll say this about the Texans. I, I As much as I love J.J. Watt, I just don't believe in what Bill O'Brien's got going on. I'm taking the Steelers at home, Doug. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and, and look, Houston's already played Kansas City and Baltimore, and that is partially why they're 0-2, but I just don't see them getting out of it at Pittsburgh against the Steelers. But it'll be fun to see all the Watts together. Can't believe Bill O'Brien still has a job and got promoted. Give me the Steelers at home. Colts at home, 1-1. One one. Jets 0-2. Jets stink on ice. Colts at least have a decent quarterback. I'm taking the Colts at Lucas. Mike, back to you. Flyover country loves the fact that both New York teams suck. Give me the Colts at home <laughs> and a big day for T.Y. Hilton. Uh, big day for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, go on Wisconsin. Colts roll over the Jets because they are just terrible. And the Chargers, uh, who are finding quarterbacks and suddenly having a little bit of life, they are at home hosting the 0-2 Carolina Panthers. Uh, I As much as I like Teddy Bridgewater, I just can't pick the Panthers right now. I think they're too much in rebuild mode. I'm taking the Chargers at home to go 2-1. and one. Back to you, Doug. Yeah, I know Christian McCaffrey this week as well, so the Panthers don't have a chance. I think the Chargers are going to roll. I do, too. I think the more exciting thing is the lawsuit Tyrod Taylor is going to file against the Chargers <laughs> for puncturing his lung and knocking him out of last week's game. Uh, I like the Chargers at home. I like Herbert to get his first win. Uh, if you hear this sound... This is the Cardinals pounding yet another nail in Matt Patricia's coffin. Uh, the Cardinals are at home as Matt Patricia tries to explain his way out of the start that they have. Uh, I'm taking the Cardinals, DeAndre Hopkins, and Kyler Murray and everybody to beat up on the Lions yet again. Uh, Doug, back to you. In the words of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, in Catch Me If You Can, I concur. High-scoring game, lots of points. Look for Hawkinson in the end zone. Uh, this The Cardinals stink against tight ends, but I like Arizona. I might be buying what you guys are selling. The Cardinals might be for real. Uh, the Broncos, who also stink on ice, are at home, but here comes Tom Brady and the one-on-one Buccaneers into town. Um, I'm Look, Brady, Gronk, Gronk's going to bust out at some point. They're going to start using him with only a couple of catches on the season. I'm going to take the Buccaneers on the road. Mike? This was sexier when it was Drew Locke, maybe one of the future faces of the NFL versus Brady. 
I like Tampa to go on the road. I, I, I don't think Denver's going to have enough to keep up. You don't believe in Jeff Driscoll? No, I do not believe in Jeff Driscoll. <laughs> As the uh, quarterback, yeah, I think uh, Tampa Bay is going to roll. And Tom Brady will take what Bruce Arians said last week to heart, and uh, I think he's going to have a good game. You got the Seahawks at home with Russell Wilson having a terrific season, taking on the king of the watermelon kick, that is the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy. (laughs) Yet again, Pete Carroll and Mike McCarthy. I think Pete Carroll, again, gets the best of them. I'm taking the Seahawks at home in this one, Doug. Uh, it's Max House of Horrors, right, Seattle? So uh, this on the anniversary of the fail Mary, I think Jason Myers is going to, in overtime, kick a field goal that's going to go over the upright. That's how they're going to call it on replay. It's going to say that it was no good, but the referees are going to screw it up. So Seattle's going to win on a disputed play in overtime at home against Dallas. Seattle goes to 3-0. and New England proved you can play with Seattle without the 12s in full attendance. I think this is a closer game than people are giving it credit, but I still love Russell Wilson as a quarterback. I hate him as a person and everything about him, but from a quarterback spot, he's fantastic, and he'll will will this team to 13 wins. Then you've got the Monday night contest, the Chiefs and the Ravens. Boy, this is one we're all salivating over. 2-0 both teams, Kansas City on the road in this one, but I'm still going to say Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, they come away with the win, Mike. Dud game for Lamar last week. He bounces back. This is this is the last two MVPs. This is great. You think Sunday night's matchup is juicy. This one really is Give me Baltimore at home, and I know a lot of friends in Kansas City that are watching on the stream right now are upset by that, but Baltimore at home, bounce-back game for Lamar, Doug. Yeah, Lamar against Patrick. What what a contest in the AFC between Kansas City and Baltimore. I think 43-year-old running back Mark Ingram is going to score the game-winning touchdown. Baltimore is going to take this one, but it's going to be a close one. Packers and Saints. I'm taking the Packers to win this one. I wasn't at first, but I've talked myself into it. Uh, Back to you, Doug. Yeah, I like the Saints in this one. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it depends on Michael Thomas and whether or not he's going to be able to play and give uh, Drew Brees that that target that he's looking for. But, boy, I, I think that um, – I'm not going to say the Packers are going to be exposed, but I think it's going to be a difficult game for them. So I'm going to take Mike ten. Mike, 10 seconds. Packers win. Home field is out. 31-24 Green Bay. Guys, it was a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the program. We'll have to do it again real soon, okay? Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Bill. See you, guys. This has been the Bill Michaels Huddle, brought to you by Bud Light. Time for us to go. Have a go and see Wisconsin-wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 